dropping that knowledge on you. I could not make this shit up. With Kev Nash. Oh, Hercules, Hercules. And DJ Killer Kev. Uh-oh. Let me tell you, boys, you can't make that shit up. The inside. Real deal, straight up. Are you crazy? Hottest <laughs> stories from the world of hip-hop. This is ludicrous. It's the big boss, Rick Rouse. What up? It's your boy, Young Jeezy. This is 50 Cent. Sports. Some of those dogs were the most incredible dogs I've ever seen. And what's popping in the DYT. I couldn't make this shit up. I couldn't make this shit up if I tried. I'm sad that I lack the talent to make this shit up. Here's Kev Nash and DJ Killer Kev. Yo, chill. Chill. Don't bump the table. I'm trying to mix. Yo, you call that mixing, man? I just helped you out. Thank you. We back in the building after point five, right? For sure. For sure. <laughs> we got a full episode. You can't make this up podcast. Kev Nash. DJ Killer Kev. Bro, what's good? What up, man? Forgot my favorite part. What episode is this? 173. 173. Full episode. Okay. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What's How up, was man? the week? It was good, man. Getting ready for the holiday. Yeah. Getting ready to... Yeah. You know, go do the ultra or the super clean at mom's house because she panicking because she always hosts every year. But wait till Wednesday to start cleaning up. So. Sound like my mom, but I'm not in town to help. Yeah, <laughs> I am. So the, taking the whole herd over there Wednesday. But uh, just, you know, short week this week, Monday, Tuesday at work. Uh, off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then uh, um, DJ and Wright Pack Christmas party December 7th. So okay. starting That's to get back. I had an off November. So getting back to the Christmas uh, gigs. Yeah, man, we had our... Holiday help out, our community food drive all weekend long. Been out there at the fire station in Troutwood hanging out, trying to get people to donate. Ooh, man, it's been one hell of a year, man. You yeah. know, you know, you don't think about it until you're actually out there that, you know, we've been asking people to give yeah. all year long. I was asking them to give. You already do a couple a year and yeah. then have a couple of tragedies and a couple, you know, uh, extra food drives and extra come on city help us out and yeah yeah so it was uh it was tougher than it's been in years past but we got it done and uh we did our part so yeah time to go home for thanksgiving yeah but yeah. before that man we had to do a super dope pop man i'm super excited for this one man this is like my og for real for real this is a guy i've looked up to since day one of me ever getting into this dj game got the homie uh Mr. I won't DJ all parties, only the right one. <laughs> DJ Skano's in the building. What's Skano's, up? Skano's, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what it do? Wait, did I hear y'all say show 173? Yes, yes sir. Wow. Yeah, Congratulations, we, fellas. Yeah. Brother, boy, I remember when y'all started. 173, that's, that's, that's big. Yeah, we don't take that's too big. many Sundays off, man. We've been at this for three years now. Yes, so. sir. Been going hard. Numbers uh, yeah, on the that's board. that's big. Congratulations. Not like 36 years like you, sir. Well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it, man. You uh, you say you say you calling it quits on some things, right? Yeah, I'm just not gonna be playing all the up to date radio music that you're familiar with, all the dirty stuff. I'm, you know, I've been DJing on Shade 45 for like the last 15 years, so we play dirty music. Yeah, we play the newest music, and I'm not a fan of the newest music that's out right now, so. I'm not retiring from music, okay. but I will be playing my old school hip hop, my old school R&B, my gospel music, my reggae, of course, yeah. my ADM, my soca music, my jazz, yeah. you know, anything besides this new stuff. Let's tell the people, <laughs> man, when did you get into this? When did you start DJing, man? Well, let's say I, st I started getting paid for DJing in 1983. Wow. Yeah. That's congratulations on that, for real. Thank you. You've been, a, you've been a pioneer in the city for for a minute, man. I don't know too many people that don't know you. 
Um, and uh, it's an honor just to have you as a, as a buddy, man, just somebody I can call on and just call a friend, man. And congrats on hitting that hitting that kind of number, man. That's that's huge to be doing something for 30-something years in the city, entertaining people. Well, yeah. I remember I was there when you started DJing, Yo, so we're going to talk about that, too. I was going to save it for, like, minute 20, but I kind of want to get into it. Uh, one, one of my favorite stories, man, is um I used to be the drunk dude in the club that danced. You used like, to be the first one in the club, you yeah, and your boy. Yeah, like 10, 15, wow. 10, 30, we was in there. You know, uh, long polos on, dancing. By the time you get done, the back's all dirty from the floor. But I, one of my funniest stories is it was probably two weeks before I was getting my first gig at Club Cream rained at this time. And uh, Skink, Skink had a Friday night there, I believe. And a few weekends before, I was still the drunk guy in the club. Mm-hmm. Well, flip side, that Friday comes around and I'm in there DJing. And he walks up on me like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm what like, are you I'm doing? like, I'm DJ K Stan now, and he just started laughing. I mean, busted out laughing, like, all right. <laughs> and that was kind of like my transition into you know giving up the dancing and getting into DJing. So but I watched, I watched the whole progression. I'm proud of you. Thank you, thank you for real. K Stan went to DJ Killer Kid. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm sure you've seen many try, many fail, and give up, and just go back to being just the. And I see person. so many people that should give up. <laughs> But we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about when you fell in love with music, man. I want to know, like, I've always been a fan of, like, dating back in the day. I wish I was an adult, like, in the 80s, 70s, just just older to experience what that vibe was like in the area where you had, you know, Roger Troutman Studios and you had some of the some of the pioneer places in the area that did music. Like, what, mm-hmm. what was it like, man? Like, what made you fall in love with music? Well, I grew up in the church, so I always loved music, but. I would sneak, <laughs> I would sneak and turn the station from the Christian station to other stations mm-hmm. and listen to the other music. So I knew about, you know, Slay, Faisal, the Ohio Players, you know, uh, Zap, all them. And then the Ohio Players used to do a big show at Memorial Hall every year. It would be a week long at Memorial Hall, and it would be like such a big thing in the city. Mm-hmm. Some of the Ohio players would pull out their old, their nice, luxurious cars <laughs> and park them in front of the Memorial Hall. That's back when Memorial Hall brought good shows. So they used to come down every year. Of course, Zap and Roger Trotman was definitely doing their thing in the city. Mm-hmm. And then you had a, a Slave definitely was at his peak then. You had Lakeside jumping. And so I, I was paying attention to all this stuff back then. We had two other stations that competed with with each other, um, and I will switch back and forth. It was like a battle between them two stations, but I could hear old school music. Well, it wasn't old school then, right? but I could hear that music, which was funk back then, mm-hmm. and early hip-hop. So it was like, I love the hip-hop, and I love the funk, so it was just, and I, and I played trumpet, I wanted to play drums, but of course my dad wouldn't let me play drums. <laughs> so he had a trumpet and I learned how to play trumpet, but then they just wanted me to play church music. And I was like, well, this ain't what I want to do. So yeah. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Revel in the streets at a young age. <laughs> so, I, so I would sneak out at night to different spots and uh, watch the hustler at the time. He was like the biggest DJ in the city. Um, He was DJing at the Palladium. Mm. Uh, he would DJ at 
well, he had a couple of clubs after the Palladium. He had, uh, let's see, Zeons, Fat Daddies, Mr. J's, Graffiti's. We'd be at the Odyssey, Roller World bus stop. It was just yeah. everywhere he was, I was just standing behind him watching. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I never actually had anyone teach me how to DJ. So if you watch me DJ, you'd be like, he has an ornoth- unorthodox way of DJing, but he sounds just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. But it was just because I had to learn on my own. Like I even would go home after watching him and my dad had the big long component stereo to look like a casket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I would play on the turn the knobs and all that stuff. That's how I first started learning how to, and to this day, my mom still has that component system still in the living room with the broke needle that I broke. On it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you, was that like a comfort thing for you to never kind of like, because you say you, your style was different when when DJs would look at other DJs and see how they DJ. Your style was different when it maybe came to using the crossfader, just different different techniques you use. It seemed was different, but it still sounded just as good, if not better than anyone else's. Like, I, I just... I just, I guess I never had anyone show me how to use the fader. Like I'd be looking at DJ, he's moving it fast. And I'd be like, I'd be amazed myself. Like, yeah. well, I don't <laughs> seem to be able to do this. I guess I need somebody to show me how to do it. Right, right. Because but this then, is the days before you could just YouTube anything. For sure. For like, sure, yeah. yeah. There definitely can... was no YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> there was no internet, you yeah. know. Yeah. No. <laughs> this was like what? Michael Jackson beat it type, you know, music was, you know, the early 80s. You know, that was that was the time frame for learning how to, you know, be the scano you are today. Let's talk. I was still still in high school because I didn't graduate until 85. So you think 83, I'm I'm sneaking out the house. Every time I come home, I'm getting basically getting my butt tore up because I'm not supposed to be out. And my dad's a pastor of a church. And of course, I'm the oldest of eight kids. So it's a strict household. And. Yeah, I got tore up yeah. several times. <laughs> I've I've always been a uh, a big fan of you, man, and I've done my research. And I don't think a lot of people know. And I wanted to before we uh, close this chapter of your historic career, let's tell the people what DJ Skano stands for. Like, how did you come up with that name, Skano? Because because I know I know what it means. It's well, you, you tell might, them what it means, okay. Because I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it PG for sure. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it's straight knocking news out. <laughs> Straight knocking the DJ I got Skano. hands. I got hands. Yeah. So you how didn't, did you come up with that name? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't come up with it. It was given to me. I, uh, I was. They used to say I was scandalous back in the day because I would sneak out and all that. But I was also a nerd, and people would always try a nerd. And mm-hmm. my dad had skills. He's a third degree in hop keto, first degree in jujitsu. So I learned a lot, and he boxed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so so even though I was a nerd, I got hands and feet. A <laughs> <laughs> couple of times they had to they had to they had to get hip, huh? Oh yes, <laughs> that's dope. That's dope, man. And that's that's how a true nickname should go, man. Yeah. It should be given to you. You shouldn't get yourself so, a nickname. So it started out as scan- scandalous, okay, and then it became an acronym. So because I've had to handle a couple of people, I even had to handle somebody in. I think it was cream at that time. I, was, I, I I've seen one that might have been where that might have been. It. I, I, Man, I don't know why one. this dude threw a bottle and it hit me right in the head. Mm. What? I don't know why. <laughs> at the DJ? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the bottle didn't break. Yeah, I remember. I I, I, I was there that night because 
Skano went ballistic. Unskano, like, you know. <laughs> Man, I just turned I, I just <laughs> turned the music off. I had a big knot on my head because that bottle hit hard. Yeah. Right. But Yeah. When was it? When was it with hip hop that just totally changed it? Because I know there's probably like a transition from like loving the music and just enjoying listening to it to saying, you know what, I want to do what he's doing with this music that I'm growing up with. Like I would, I would, uh, like I said, I would follow the hustler and watch him. And I've, I've loved the music, but I was liking what he was doing because he was doing the scratching, the blending the two records together. And it was just like, Hey, I'm not allowed to drum. I don't want to play the trumpet no more because they're making me play something that I don't want to play. But this I can get into. Mm-hmm. It was just, the observing and watching and finally when I go finally got my first turntables which was one sharp turntable and one technique 1700 turntable mm-hmm. uh learning how to do the zuga zugas and all that stuff and you know and blending two records I think the the first thing I did was blend two records together and I was so excited that I could get two records together on the same beat by just playing with the the uh the uh, pitch control and things like that, and then eventually uh, getting doubles of records. And back then, 14K used to be on Gettysburg, mm-hmm. and it used to be much bigger, and all you saw in there was vinyl. So that became a favorite store of mine, and then I think it was B&D Records, and of course there were other record stores that I went to to pick up vinyl, and vinyl became like a favorite thing of mine. So like, if it, if it came out on record, I was getting it. Mm-hmm. So, the thrill of learning how to blend different kinds of music together—it just made it better for me. Yeah, I had read an article that you started uh, first started blending gospel records together. Yeah, on my co- dad's components yeah. because that's all the records he had yeah, at the yeah. house: <laughs> James Cleveland, Andre Crouch, Myrna Sumner, people like that, like the Clark Sisters. Yeah. Like, there were no other records there. I mean, it was a couple of Michael Jackson records, but. Nothing like all them funk records and all that. No, they wasn't at the house. <laughs> yeah, and I I didn't read that article until I was seeing like some of like you you had some long hour hours long type Facebook live like gospel mixes going on. Oh and yeah, like, yeah. So like I would wonder like man he he just can do a gospel set you know like it was hours and hours of it and uh, I read the article and I was like ah got some got some history behind it i oh, see yeah, yeah. i see where it comes from so yeah, yeah at the time i was doing like three and a half hour long mix sets Ooh. but you know facebook you know they want to do the copyright infringement yeah. thing so they want to make it not not very friendly now they want to mute out parts of your song so it don't sound too good yeah so i'm currently right now looking for a different mm, i should say different kind of program to do my uh podcast on but i want it to be interactive like how Facebook was. The yeah. reason I liked doing it on Facebook was because you could interact with your fans immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, Periscope is cool, but it's I, I don't really care for it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we'll find another one. You'll 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 see me on the yeah. internet. Let's talk about some of those fans because you know you didn't have Facebook to create those fans back in, you know, the eighties and nineties and two thousand. So I wanted to know like how was it getting, you know, to me, it feels like everybody knows DJ Skano. But everybody doesn't. Exactly. Don't nobody know 
Mr. Jordan, everybody knows, you know. Um, back then, <laughs> you know, you had to get out in the streets. You still got to get out in the streets. Yeah. Get out in the street and publicize yourself. I, I always tell people you got to promote yourself. Like McDonald's has billions of dollars, but to this day, they promote themselves like they just came out two days. Yeah. So you got to be that same way. If you want people to peep what you're doing, you got to promote yourself. I mean, it's hard for a lot of these artists today to understand that. They they think they recorded a song, they're a star instantly. Another thing I hate about this new <laughs> new genre. Yeah. Like like you ain't you ain't did nothing in the streets to get your name out there or they think the DJ owes them something. Yeah. Like no. <laughs> like you got to put in the work. Get out in the streets. Shake hands, say what's up, kiss some babies, something. Yeah, yeah. You, you can It's not just gonna be handed to you on a platter. For sure. You gotta, you gotta grind. You gotta work. I know my upbringing. If I needed a mix, you know, for the week, if I need, I know, I know where I could find Skano at. You know, Man, I, you know, I'm mad at you. I, I got beef with you, bro. Uh oh. We were uh-oh. supposed to do a mix a long time ago. You know what? It never happened. It, I just so. This week, knowing that this was going to be our interview for the week, I was digging through just some memories. And I I had a uh, my first year of DJing. So talked about how you used to sit behind DJs and just learn. That, that was me. So I would pull up on Skano and just sit, you know, at, at the old Frogs or wherever he was spinning at and just chop it up with him for a second, just watching how he did it. I, I did that with OPZ. I did that with Chaos. I did that with a lot of different people. And that was DJing at the time in the city. And um, I – that year, I was like, I'm going to do a mixtape. So I had did this Rookie of the Year concept. That was okay. going to be the concept, Rookie of the Year. And I hit up Skano, and we went over to Mo's studio, and I got the drops, and I had all these things together. I even made this man a cover. Man, <laughs> got the artwork done, everything, and 95% of it done, and it, it just turned into like I wasn't I wasn't ready for the mixtape. I, I, I just, you know, like – being a young DJ thinking I could just throw a mixtape together and every time I started it or got into it or put some things together, it wasn't it wasn't enough for me. So I just kept sitting on it, kept sitting on it and wasn't a rookie of the year no more. I was like <laughs> so, year so, seven. So what year what year was that that you started DJing Killica? Um, like oh seven when I started getting paid. Oh seven. It's two thousand nineteen, about to be two thousand twenty. <laughs> and we have never done that mix CD. No, veteran of the yeah, year. I've never done a mix. I've never I, I I need to do it. I've never done a full blown like put a mix CD out and just been sitting on the idea. I don't know. I don't know. Lost in the sauce with it. It just it just never happened. Make it happen, Cam. Yeah, I need to. Yeah, make it happen. For real. For <laughs> you, real. What was the first part of you know you killed? Mm. The first part of what? The first part of you know you killed. I was well, in the fact. underground. The underground. That was a spot that used to be right above Marables. Or up under Marables uh, Club. A lot of people don't know about that. It's on Germantown. Yeah. Uh, right up the street from the old Spunkies. Okay. Uh, so I used to DJ in the underground from like 12 midnight to 5.30 in the morning. Ooh. And it would be so deep. And any <laughs> record I put on, if I jigger jigger it, blended it in the crowd, the next song come in, the crowd is, oh, them yeah. Them, them was definitely the parties right there. I like, I like, I don't like being at a spot where I know the next record the DJ is going to put on. I want to be 
like shots. Like, whoa, he actually played that and it sounded good. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I've been to spots where DJs play the same songs after the same song. They learned that this song is the same tempo as this, so they don't know how to mix another song in there. Mm-hmm. I want to be surprised. So I want to hear an acapella over another instrumental that you wouldn't have thought it should be mixed with or something like that or a scratch in the right spots of the song to make it blend into the other song. It was, I'd say the underground was the first spot. Well, what time frame was that, the underground? When was that, you know, a thing? About 83, 84. Okay. Oh, so very early on. Yeah. Yeah. During during the sneak out time. (laughs) Wow. That's crazy, dog. That's crazy. So you still a teenager at that point. Yeah. And I was reading an article. You did a lot of DJing at your high school, right? Yeah. What high school was that? Pat, the real Patterson Co-op High School. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> you line them up, you knock them down, bro. <laughs> Why is that a thing in this city? Because, you know, I'm not from here, but I live here my ento- entire adult life. Why is that a thing? The in- real Patterson Co-op? Yes. Because people want to call opponents Patterson Co-op, and it is not Patterson Co-op in no kind of way. Nothing similar about it. Nothing about it is Patterson Co-op, period. <laughs> Nothing against opponents, but that's not Patterson Co-op. Kind of like how the people that went to Colonel White feel about Thurgood. And they want to call yeah. <laughs> Thurgood Colonel White. Yeah. That's not Colonel White. No. <laughs> it's not. I can understand. I can understand. I they're, like it. they're knocking out our schools that black people are familiar with. They're taking them all out of this area. Like there's no Roosevelt, no Rolf, no Patterson, no Colonel White. All the mem- – like we can't even take our kids in the city and be like, yo – I used to go to this school. Nope. Yeah. It's a plain blank piece of land there. Yeah. And you'd be like, why'd they tear this school down? Now they building new schools and talking about closing new schools. Like what? You just built the school. Mm-hmm. It's so, all about the money, man. That's happening in the wood. Me and my mom, we had went to the same elementary school, you know, same high school, but now they've torn down the old high school and made it, you know, a new high school. And then they've torn down elementary schools and made soccer fields. The only school that mm-hmm. I went to that is still there is Stivers. Hmm. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You talked about being a preacher's kid. How did that, and you talked about how it affected your home life. Like, when did it get, like, to the point where they're like, look, you stop DJing this type of music or else? No, no, no. My mom said, I, I, I was in a conversation and I said, I want to be a DJ. And my mom said to me, you will never be a DJ. That really made me just be like, oh, really? Now you didn't challenge me. So I'm a DJ. <laughs> okay. I did what I had to do. I went to school, went to Central State, <laughs> took up broadcast communications under Turk Logan, uh, got my broadcasting license, you know, and, uh, you know, rest of history, I've been on three radio stations here in the city. So. Yeah, let's talk about that. When did, uh, when did the radio career start for you in the city? Because you – Major name in the city as a DJ. I'm well, am sure. I allowed to say radio station names on here? Yeah, yeah. We still, oh, okay. we gonna call it Mix too. Yeah. Mix one hundred two nine. Yeah, you can do you. Yeah, I, you know I didn't people, do that. I don't know why people. they did that. I was I was I was looking at the article like I didn't say Mix one hundred two nine. I was like that's Hot one hundred two nine. Right, right. Yeah, like I was like, I, is that a new station? I, I, I can clear up a lot of things like right here. Like people think this podcast is a Hot 1029 podcast because I work at the station. 
and we so happen to record right <laughs> there or right. here. Right. It is not. This right. is DJ Killer Kev and Kev Nash podcast. This is not affiliated with the radio station yeah. at all. Right. You know, so. Well, all righty then. <laughs> well, <laughs> it first started out on, uh, well, let's go back in time. I see at Patterson, uh, WDPS, uh, Central State, and then there's 94.5. And then U92, of course. And then when Tony Marcel was here, Hot 1029. And then Shade 45. Yeah. And how, so, so radio started for you. um, How, how did you get from the local DJ that was hot to a radio opportunity? I was in a a room kind of just like this, practicing for, I used to be in a group called Tune. Uh, and was, I was that 12G? Was that was that when 12G was around? Uh, tw- that was actually after 12G. Oh, okay. Skano okay. was in existence then. See, a lot yeah. of people don't know I used to rap, too. So yeah. we, don't, we don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> Bars! <laughs> See, I, I used to wear big Chuck jewelry and all that stuff, too. So that that's when I was 12G. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. you, how you know about that? I told you I'm a fan, man. I'm a fan. I've been a fan. So Google, so, man. So, Google that ain't on dog. Google. That ain't on Google. Be surprised. <laughs> the jewels is the jewels is for sure. Uh, but yeah. So the high top uh, fade with the blonde streak. All oh, that's on on the Googles. I was in a production room, and uh, I was doing one of my mixes and the, the operations manager at that time came in and he heard me mixing like, Oh, you sound pretty good. I didn't know he was standing behind me. And he was like, why don't you submit an air check tape to me? And I was like, okay, when do you need it by? Have it to me by the end of the week. Okay. You're going to have it tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I did it tonight. And next thing you know, he let me sit in on the show and, then eventually I got on the morning show, started doing the afternoon mixes, started doing, I mean, the noon morning mix, then the noon mix, then I became an actual one half of the morning show. Mm-hmm. So it was me and a guy named Mo Bounce, and then I started doing afternoon mixes, which we, we did a noon mix, and then we did a five o'clock mix, which is like the traffic mix. Yeah. And I started doing Drive those mixes. Five. Yep. <laughs> and then I eventually got on a show with a guy named Ike B., uh, I would sit in on his show, and then we eventually, the the show was then called The Thunderstorm, and uh, then eventually, after he left, I ended up taking over The Thunderstorm, and the rest is history. Yeah. And my ratings went up. I, I was on there for like four and a half years, and U92 had came to me to get on their show, but they wanted to try to change my name. And I was like, why? Why? That's <laughs> yeah, not yeah. about to happen. <laughs> so you built so many years building that name. Yeah. It's a brand. And then I found out that they like to give you a name so that when you, if they, if you ever leave, you can't use that name. Mm. Mm. I wasn't that guy. My name is Brandon <laughs> <laughs> and trademark. So, <laughs> so after, 94.5 changed formats. They ended up doing like alternative music. Yeah. Um, I was out for a year and then I got hit back up again. I tried to get on and they said, okay, we'll do this. You do overnights, but you have to be Miles Jordan. When you do mixes, you can be DJ Skano. I didn't care about overnights. I was like, okay. <laughs> but when we do remotes, 
I'm going to be DJ Scano because I'm not going to lie and say that I'm not. So they they came to that agreement, and then I started doing uh, weekend mixes on U92, um, but I would do overnights, and I would also be the guy that did gospel in the mornings before the morning show. Okay. So I and I would board up for the morning shows as well. Uh, let's see. But well, that was Doug Banks. Yeah, probably Doug yeah. Banks. That's when Dee Dee was on the Doug Banks morning show too. Dee Dee McGuire. Yeah, yeah, I remember that name. <laughs> yeah. So I will I will board up for that. Tom Joyner was in the other room on or because at that time it was U ninety two was the up-to-date music station mm-hmm. and WRNB was the oldie station at that time. So I will board up on U92 for Doug Banks and then still have to board up on the oldie station mm-hmm. with Tom Joyner. So then, you know, learning all those things and Miles Jordan became kind of popular and I had this goal like I'm gonna make Mouth Jordan disappear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to mark <laughs> How'd you do that? I started doing these mixtapes that was like blowing up in the city, and my brand kind of became super huge, like way bigger. And then uh, clubs started hitting me up to DJ at them, and then of course, you know, we had our remotes that we had to do, but I was like. Well, I'm not getting the good remotes. Yeah. I'll give me the rinky dink remote. Okay, well, okay, I'm about. And was y'all setting up and DJing at these remotes or was you just like playing? Like, what was the setup like for it? No. It wasn't like that? No. Okay. It was just uh, you standing there with a mic. Yeah, I'm DJ Skano and such and such and such and such. And it was boo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted to be the guy with the turntables doing what I do. Yeah. And then eventually it came up, the, up with this thing as. Do the do your mix show live from a club, and I was the first one in the city to ever do my whole mix show live from Tiffany's nightclub. Yeah, uh, that's thank Mark for that. Yeah, uh, that, that's my first sneak in club. That's that's when it all started for you, boy. Yeah, so I I used to do my mix show on Saturdays <laughs> live at Tiffany's nightclub, and of course people didn't want to hear the clean versions because we had to play clean music because right. it was live. Is that what? If I remember, wasn't it like clean till twelve or something? Yeah, 12. clean yeah. till twelve, yeah, and, and everybody's sitting there like. <laughs> this is some. You literally would have the crowd of people like waiting for Basically, 12 just looking at you yeah. like, all right, he's scratching. Okay, really I'm looking at that. Cuss words that like, bad? When you going to play the cuss versions? Yeah. I'm like, it's the same song, man. It's just edited. Yeah, that, that's It crazy. ain't the same. That's crazy. I remember that. Because I was, uh, I was so they 16. they literally would sit there until 12. And then at 12.01, when mm-hmm. I flipped it to the same songs right. or whatever, <laughs> then they want to get up. Like, yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah. like. And I just played these songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, go ahead. Go I was ahead. just gonna say, well, some of your favorite clubs in the city, you know, that for, to have a long, mm-hmm. you know, you, you name some of your early starts, but okay. you know, favorite clubs in the some city. Of your, give me your top five: the Underground, okay, Diablos, okay, Woo, Tiffany's, yeah, remember Diablo, yeah, Chaos Nightclub in Huber Heights, mm. and Roller World Bus Stop. So my childhood involves chaos but nightclubs. more than the top five because then I got graffiti, <laughs> Mr. J's, Zion. You, you can do so. 10. You can do top 10. 
Top ten. Yeah, the Zeons and of course Funkies. Yeah, yeah. And then it became Aristos. <laughs> then it was Diamonds, which became Kicks, which became Reflections. And <laughs> man, and we can't forget the Odyssey. It's just wow. Yeah, you Lakeview have... Palladium. I think that was one of my favorite wow. spots, and it wasn't a club. It was just a big old room. Now, now is 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 that where the VA uh, Lake, yeah, sits today? Is that where that Lakeview area used to be? Yeah, yes, sir. Okay, if you're driving down the connector on 35, mm-hmm. there's some ponds by the VA, and uh, one of my coworkers at the VA uh, brought up some old pictures one day, and I saw a full blown Ferris wheel, look like an amusement park. That set right there, and I'm like, "Where is this at?" She's like, "Right there," you know, pointing out the window. And I'm like, "For real?" She like used to be a, you know, this was this is my childhood, you know, boom. So th- that's crazy that we used to have things like that here in the city. Yeah, <laughs> man. Then you had uh, frogs. Oh yeah. Then you had, of course, rain and cream. I think some of my best club nights were in rain and cream. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that had a when that first when that spot first opened. That was to me, you know. The best four months I've ever seen any club still to date, you know, have when Cincinnati and Columbus yeah. was coming to Dayton, Ohio to kick it. to hang out for their weekend versus us going there for our weekends. You know, that was really a thing. So then the asylum downtown. Oh man. And Foundry. <laughs> Can't foundry, forget Foundry. Boy, foundry. Yeah. How did the radio game change you? Like, give me more details. Like, how did it go from you strictly were wanting to be a club DJ to like, okay, I can change this into like being a actually, person. actually, I wasn't a, just a club DJ. I was more like performing DJ. No, like a lot of the East Coast stuff that you don't hear is what I would listen to. Like I was into your Helter Skelters and your boot camp clicks and all that stuff. You know the Cocoa Bees and the stuff they don't really regularly play mm-hmm. on the radio here, but. On let's see, ninety four five had an open format, which is why we could kind of destroy U ninety two during our time slot because us DJs had no format. We could play anything we wanted. When they were doing quiet fire, mm-hmm. I would do quiet fire mixed with hip hop, mixed with reggae. So you and I was literally mixing slow jams. So and it wasn't the same slow jams over and over again. It was yeah. like. You might hear something old to you might hear the latest slow jam. You you never knew what you was gonna hear. So so during that time slot, I was murdering them. Yeah. And then we had on that station, we had a reggae show. We had, of course, the regular hip hop show. We had an old school show. Uh then of course on my show I play anything because our the program director at that time gave us open format. And mm-hmm. You know, the purpose of a mix show is, is it's a specialty show. It's so you don't hear what you hear all the time during the regular time slot on a radio station, which is kind of why I don't really do many mixes for a radio station because when they hand you playlists like, play this, I'm like, oh, well, I might as well not be DJing on this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really allowed to do me. Like, what, what do you want me on here for? To express your talents and everything like that is yeah, pigeonholding you. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Got you. I don't, I don't like being put in a box. Yeah, I, I want to, you know, get into it. I want to know when did you and the Mo Beats relationship start? 
last that was a long time ago. Like I met Mo before radio. I met Mo <laughs> in his basement of his house. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went to the house and I was with a couple of other guys that were rappers, and that's where I met Mo. And Mo had a studio in the basement of his house, so that's where I met Mo. We actually clicked from day one. Yeah. So, like Mo, Mo eventually became like my very best friend. Like I talked to Mo probably three, four times a day. Yeah. It it rarely was a day that we didn't talk. Yeah. So and of course then we. Oh, I forgot Majestics. <laughs> <laughs> Can't forget that one. Yeah, because me and Mo did a hip-hop night at Majestics. Eventually, you know, further on down the line, you had billboards in the city, uh, and we did open mic. We did an open mic night there. So we did open mic for like a year and a half there, and it was pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. But, uh, yeah, we became great friends i was his best man in his wedding yeah you know mo mo man that's a lot i could say about mo for sure like (laughs) for sure was was uh was was mo always known as the like beat guy the production guy was that how he you know mo used to rap for real (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Mo used to rap. Find okay. out a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of MCs Mo, in this room. Breaking news. <laughs> used to rap. Yeah. Uh, him and a guy named Prime up in Columbus, DJ Prime, as a matter of fact, used to rap together too. So wow. Mo also used to rap, but then production kind of became that bring the paper in thing. And mm-hmm. he kind of got good at it. And then the engineering part, you know, so then, you know, working at the studio. Uh, I guess Mo just said, oh, "Okay, I'm gonna just leave the rap game alone." Yeah, yep. I remember the Dryden Rose Studio. That was my the lab. Yeah, that was my go-to for. Well, like, actually, it was FJM first. Was it? Yeah, I only knew it as the lab. Yeah, well, it still said FJM on the building on the side. Actually, you probably if you drive by it now, you would know nothing's in the building. Mm-hmm. It's a decrepit sign that says FJM on the side. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that was my go-to when I was having like a day where I needed to get some things done DJ-wise but wasn't feeling it and just didn't feel creative, didn't have the juice that day. Like, I didn't have to call. I would just pull up knowing that Mo would be in there, you know, and 90% of the time, Scanner would be in there too, and we would all just being around them and seeing just interaction, energy. Mo, I remember he was working on like a, a community choir, did a commercial. You know, it was nothing – Nowhere near what I was working on. Yeah, Mo did, Mo did a lot of stuff. A lot of people think he just did hip hop and you know recorded the rappers in the city. Nah, yeah. man, it was choirs that came up there, groups that played music come up there. It was people doing promos for their football teams at colleges mm. or or high schools, things like that. Uh, doing uh, cheerleader uh, music sets for their dance things. There's it, a lot that went on in in the lab. Yeah, that was my go-to just to get energy, just to be around it, get, get recharged and uh, leave out of there encouraged with some knowledge, learn something. Yeah, know? that's one thing. You could go to the lab and just, you didn't even have to have a session. You could just go there like, yo, is it cool we sit in? And then it's always going to be some kind of, some diamonds dropped on you, mm-hmm. you know, or it's just great conversation at exactly, that. Exactly, exactly, exactly. What does it feel like being the go-to guy in the city? I don't think I'm the go-to guy in the city. I mean, at one point you were. You don't think so? No. 
Okay. I'd say a lot of people tried to hand me their music, but I don't think I was the go-to guy. No, I mean, go-to guy as far as like, all right, we got a new club in town. We got to make a major impact. Because I remember when I first came to the city and started working at the station, you were at, I can't remember the name of the club. It was over by the VA. It was kind of like, looked like, kind of like a house. Uh, the old um, oh uh, Monte Carlo at that time. Yeah, it was called the Monte Carlo. Yeah. I forgot what <laughs> yeah. they call it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah and was... uh, like I would see you there, and then like it's another club in town that we would uh, do broadcasts from, and I would see you there, and I was like, so he must be the guy. Yeah. And then when we did uh, the Russ Parr bus tour, yeah, we called you. So that's why I say, what does it feel like to be the go-to guy? I mean. So I, I've I've done a lot of things and still do nationally out of the city. So I mean, put it this way: I, I, I say I'm treated better out of state than I am in my own city. You know how everybody like they know you, so they want you to do everything for them mm-hmm. for free. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that guy. Yeah. So. <laughs> like we have done no business together, so I'm not about to just give you some free business. Right. No, right. you're you 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 want me to bring a crowd, but you don't want me, want to pay me. Mm, not happening. But I think I think in you doing that led a lot of people to know you can't come to Skano with no. Let me try to just squeeze <laughs> this in. You know, you if, if you came with Skano for some music business, it was going to be business because that's what Skano was about. You know, like, yeah, a lot of people like to have those meetings about another meeting about another meeting, <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> Bro, are we gonna do do this or what are we gonna do? Because yeah. I'm not gonna keep having meetings to talk about another meeting. Exactly. Like, are you serious? I'm I'm not one of those guys that want to play around. And as Mo would tell you, I'm I don't beat around the bush. I'm kind of like speak what's yeah. on my mind. Yeah. Like a lot of a lot of artists in the city, I would say, don't like me because I would tell you if your music is whack. Is whack, but yeah. I will tell you what you need to do to make it better. But a lot of people don't like constructive criticism, and this city of Dayton has this thing called you hating instead of like maybe you're not ready to be in the game and you could use a little bit of knowledge and learn something before you rush and put that song out there that you recorded five minutes ago and decided, <laughs> hey, I want to perform this tonight. Mm-hmm. Right, you don't even know the words to the song. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> when did you learn that about business? Like saying like, yeah, this is my craft. I love to do this because I love music and everything like that. But, you know, business comes first before one speaker gets hooked up, one needle gets dropped. Well, I, I mean, need is my, it, I need it, my everybody money experiences time. that one time when somebody gets you. So it was like, just once. It was just that one time. And that was well, it. Well, or, I would say once for a major event. And I mean, this event made some dough and person tried to get away without paying me. And I was like, okay, well, I'm about to be, I'm about to call up a couple of my national buddies. We about to put this contract together, mixed with riders, <laughs> mixed with a couple of lawyers looking at it. And now it ain't no, you're not going to get me without paying me. Yeah. Like I, I do recall, I do recall like when, when uh, our former program director here, Marcel, had to deal with you and it was nothing's happening till the check is cut. And I, I I remember that. And I remember Marcel having to deal with the business offices and saying like, look, man, they got to get paid or they ain't not doing this, that and third. And like, well, why can't they just bill us? And I was like, it don't work like that. And I think it's a difference when you're dealing with a corporation and then 
they they always used to well bill us later. Just so invoices. Like, yeah, or they, or they, and then, <laughs> then they want to take like eight weeks to do it. It yeah. takes a lot of a lot of time to get this paper. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Takes one signature and get it done. Yeah. Right. So I remember those days of hearing Marcel just going crazy, having to try to get people paid because of those things, man. So yeah. it, and and being on the opposite end of it now, being that person that's like responsible for that, like I'm trying to work. Four weeks ahead, they'll be like, all right, if I put in a check request now, yeah, right. maybe it'll be here the day of the event. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have it where, like, you know, just like dealing with national artists, you you learn to, you know, you get your 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 deposit up front and that's signed with the contract. And then when I get to the venue or get to the city, you need to meet me with that other part, or I'm not even going to the venue to hook up my equipment. Like and it's the same way with National Act. Like, ain't no waiting to the end of the night and we sitting around like, mm, we're the guy with the money at. Oh, man, he slipped out the back door. Woo! Yeah, so. Yeah, it only took me getting got once to literally now. Maybe that's why I don't do the clubs as much because the clubs ain't nearly a place where I can get you to sign this contract <laughs> and, and pay this deposit per se. So, But I just don't do business like that no more. I mean, if I'm putting a date on my calendar – you are you have already paid me a deposit, and that deposit is non-refundable, and it's opportunity loss that you're gonna cause me if six months down the road you cancel that party and I passed up on three gigs that I wanted that day. So I I charge a deposit for that reason. Two spots I would say here that was very talking to the mic, talking to the mic. Very good about doing that. Like I uh, I used to DJ at Higgins Stations too. Hey. So. <laughs> I I had a Higgins Station gig before. Higgins <laughs> Stations and Diablos, like your money would be there once you got there. Yeah. Like you weren't waiting till the end of the night when the people cleaning the club. Like, mm-hmm. man, where they at? Seeing people leave and all that. And, nah, them cats banking yeah. on making the money at the door and at the bar to pay you. Like you, yeah, have but money you know they the made side. money when right. you seen them sell bottles. Yeah. $39 bottles for $159 and $175. <laughs> like, bro, I can count too. If I say it, <laughs> right. it, it, it don't take a, a average, an average smart DJ to be in a club and see how the operations go. Like, like I'm an observer, <laughs> so I can see. Yeah, and figure it out because there's more time. I won't say more times, but there, there are definitely times in the city of Dayton that you'll go DJ and you DJing for the bar, you know, bar crowd only. So you, you see how, you know, Ten people at the bar can still make five hundred to a thousand dollars, you know, when everybody's having to buy twelve dollar shots, you know, or whatever. So 